This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Season 1, Episode 5 of Millennial Hollywood here on Popcorn Talk. Today's guest has directed many of our favorite TV shows, so don't go too far. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. It's what is up, guys? Welcome back to Season 1, Episode 5 of Millennial Hollywood here. I'm so happy to be here. And today's guest knows exactly what millennials want to see. He's directed so. many of our favorite TV <laughs> shows, including Pretty Little Liars, The Magicians, The Vampire Diaries, and my personal favorite, Shadowhunters. Yay. Welcome, Joshua Butler. Thank you, Dakota. Thank you for having me. This of is so, fun, so much fun. I'm so happy that you got to come back in. Yeah, this is great. It's we nice. did the Shadowhunters after show, and he's been in here for many times for other of the TV shows like The Magicians. And you came in for Vampire Diaries, too, right? I came in for Vampire Diaries and Limitless. Oh, okay, awesome. And, uh, yeah, and then we did the, the season finale, mid-season finale together yes. on Shadowhunters, oh. so that was fun. And we'll get into that, because yeah. I, I can't <laughs> wait. I'm like, I'm like, all right, we gotta, I can't wait for that to come back. And I hope that you get to direct another episode. Yeah, I know. I, it seems like, you know, knock on wood, there'll be a season three. Let's hope. Yes. We hope. I mean, I would think so. Yes. I think it's the, the second... I mean, after Pretty Liar, Little Liars goes, I think it'll be like the main show that Freeform has right now. Yeah, that they're best known for. Yeah. I think so, too. That and yeah. then Famous in Love is doing really well. That just came oh, out. Oh, yes, I know. Yeah. I'm really excited. My friend Marlene King. Yes. yes. Yeah, she's terrific. That's I incredible. Know. Yeah. So I want to go ahead and first let's introduce you. Where did you? Where can we find you all on social media? Oh, sure. I'm uh, Joshua Butler, and on all social media, I'm the Joshua Butler. All right. So that's uh, the Joshua Butler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it started with a uh, a Twitter uh, problem because somebody had taken my name by the time I joined Twitter and uh, tweeted four times and then never thought about it never again. Thought about it. And you're like, really? And I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> and the tweets are almost illegible. If you go to add Joshua Butler, it's kind of funny actually because they're just like the most silly little tweets that somebody made in 2009. Wow. And now. I know that if it's if it's been over six months since they've been active, you can like talk to twitter and take that, that over if you ever well, at the to, time i signed like... up because i signed up in 2012 so at the time i i just i asked and they said no yeah and they said oh name's taken so i'm like okay well and now you got the joshua butler everywhere yeah, else i like, like i might as well be consistent <laughs> yeah exactly so that's yeah. right well you guys can find me on instagram twitter and youtube at mr dakota t jones you can follow the popcorn talk everywhere at the popcorn talk also make sure if you're watching us on youtube give us a big thumbs up Comment below. We love talking to you guys. Um, but I just want to ask you, okay, so how did you get involved in the business? Um, well, it was a lifelong dream. Mm-hmm. I, I decided when I was an eight-year-old I wanted to be a movie director. So I started making videos. I had a video camera, and I made videos throughout high school and convinced all my classmates to be actors in my, my movies. I was, yes. I was that guy, you know, who'd be like, you know, asking everybody to to be on camera so luckily they indulged me and then uh i wanted to uh go to film school from from the very beginning so i I applied to usc and that was the only school i applied to i just applied to the film school i got in um i got in also to the early admissions program so i was able to start college early so i started at 17 and i did the four-year undergraduate program and i i did the student film when i was there and i graduated and then you know did the hollywood uh song and dance just took my student film around and i wrote scripts and i was um you know meeting people and trying to uh 
get something going. But yeah. my uh, my day job was editing. I, I learned uh, Avid editing at USC, and it, it turned out to be very lucrative. Um, they needed a lot of uh, editors in, in Hollywood. So while a lot of my friends were answering phones at Fox for 400 bucks a week, I yeah. was actually you know, doing, doing really well, like doing editing jobs, uh, during the days and, and sort of one-offs or, you know, they bring me in for two weeks at a time or one week at a time to work on various projects. So, uh, that was actually how I got my directing break through, through editing. Uh, I basically found my way into a situation where I, um, re-edited a pilot and basically, uh, sort of impressed a bunch of people who hired me to edit the series. And then, um, I negotiated uh, to direct on that show, and then uh, then that, that was where I I finally got my break. That so, awesome. interestingly enough, yeah, because I set out to 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 be a movie uh, director and still working on that, and I have directed some movies. But uh, TV was very very good to me from from the beginning. They gave me my break, and wow. then. Uh, when I started, of course, uh, TV wasn't really looked at uh, the way it is today. You know, it's gotten in the last five, six, seven years uh, so much more uh, of the credit it deserves in mm-hmm. terms of the filmmaking going on in, in TV. So, Definitely. So it's been uh, it's been an inter- interesting ride. Wow, that is so awesome. I, yeah, because I was going to get into that later with you. I was going to ask, like, like how how is one able to go from not being a director to being like the one in charge, like calling the shots. I'm like, that's like a big jump. And you- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. You'd have to have like some kind of in or like experience mm-hmm. and other things to be able to cross over. So I guess the fact that you were able to edit the the pilot so well, they were like, this guy has got an eye for this mm-hmm. and he's able to kind of to display the best moments on screen, he could really bring emotion out of the characters. So that's really awesome, and that does make sense why they would have picked you for that. Yeah, and it's funny because it's 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 a not exactly what I would advise people who are trying to get into the business. I mean, a term in terms of leverage, I think, and I've said this a lot. Your your biggest. Uh, sort of hand to play would be to have original content at yeah. your disposal, whether you've written a script or whether you own a, own a piece of property, you know, say a book that you've optioned or, or some kind or, you know, you have a friend who wrote a script and you attach yourself to to direct it. Those, those are the the more traditional ways, I think, of getting Hollywood to take notice of you. Yeah. Um, in my case, I had a talent for editing that I was able to leverage. Uh, into directing, but um, that sometimes might be a harder thing for for people to really um, to know how to evaluate. You know, they Definitely. do know how to evaluate a good script, but it's hard to evaluate somebody who might be very good at a job that they don't really quite know. You know, what makes somebody good or right. what makes somebody better than the other person? So definitely, you know, just have to be careful about how you right. position <laughs> yeah, yourself. Exactly, so, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like a fine line because you don't want to do too much of one thing. Because then sometimes Hollywood people can kind of pigeonhole you into being like, okay, well, he's he's a great editor, but, you know. But you always. Have, you yeah, have to kind they of always, like they love to that. pigeonhole you. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's good that you had that voice to be like, hey, so I'm actually interested in doing this. Because most people would just be kind of scared and maybe sit back and be like, well, they like me doing this. They're comfortable with me doing this. I'm just going to stick here. Right. And but, a lot of people, that's that's what a lot of people choose to do. Right. You know, and some people choose to do it because that's genuinely what they love to do. And right. And that's great. Um, but if your dreams are bigger 
then that can be the uh, the temptation to to stay with what's familiar and to stay with because uh, it's it's very bold. Like um, a lot of editors um, and and crew members, cinematographers too, assistant directors, production designers, um, even actors on shows all want to uh some 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 of them really want the opportunity to direct and they feel that the longer they're working on a show and the longer they put their creative uh, investment into it the the more they can potentially get that opportunity so those uh those people have a very interesting uh choice Mm -hmm. you know whether you push for it how do you push for it you know at what point do you say hey i want to come back but uh, i also want to direct an episode i mean there's there's that's that's very bold to to, very, to do and yeah. uh it, but and and there's a strategy in, in how to do that you know and be successful definitely um, but the, but a lot of people have done it and then of course the trick is then to keep that up mm-hmm. to say okay well if you've directed an episode do you want to continue say as an editor or a production designer or an assistant director or a camera operator or do you want to actually then reinvent yourself and and have a new chapter in your life where you're actually a director and and that and that's a whole set of you know processes as yeah. well so uh you know it's really all about what you i think envision your future to be and what job in hollywood makes you the happiest definitely i love that that's awesome and something that i've always wanted to know is whenever let's say okay you get the call like hey we want you to direct this episode what is like the groundwork that you create or what are your first steps before even stepping onto the set well uh homework mm-hmm. you know i was a i was a school nerd which at yeah. the time you know i didn't know that that was actually going to be very helpful but you know the idea of being a, a good student and, and studying hard um you learn the skills to do what you need to do you know in the situation you just described because i would basically have to watch every other episode that led up to the one i was directing just and binge watch just binge watch yeah. everything yeah it's like it's yeah it's, you're that's being fun. paid to binge watch yeah. so in a way that's good right but uh you know a lot of times I, I work on shows that are early on in their first seasons or they don't really have uh, a lot of episodes that are completed so in those cases i have to read the scripts um and i usually read the scripts anyway just to see what uh you know what the 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 writing style is and the types of things that they like to do on the page you know which is what i'm being presented because i'm not being presented with an episode i have to go out there and create it right you know so um and then there's a lot of discussions with the showrunners um about the style of the show you know what they what they like what they prefer what their pet peeves are what they think you know is working in the show they give me the lowdown um secretly about the actors you know if there's some actors that they have concerns about performance Mm -hmm. wise you know and and things they want me to watch out for on set um if there's moments and nuances in the script that they feel that a director might miss they will they will tell me those things and i will dutifully note them Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah you really do have to you know become a, a a an expert on the show and of course you, you know a show like shadow hunters you have to go an extra step because <laughs> there's there's an entire mythology yeah. created so i was on uh, the shadows wiki uh, page oh thank my gosh, whoever yes. the, whoever does that whoever you are thank you yeah. because they were they were <laughs> extremely helpful cuz you know like you know, I'm like, okay, parapetai. I have to learn what a parapetai is. Right. And then who's the parapetai on the show? You know, and then I was like, oh, wow, Valentine and, 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 and Luke. Hmm, interesting. Things like that. And, and just knowing that played a huge 
part in the episode I was directing, Definitely, you know, and if yeah. I didn't know what that meant and, and, and how that affected those people, uh, right. just as one of many uh, terms in that show, you know, like the many know, terms, like <laughs> atomists and, you know, and, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, then the sort of the mythology of the mortal instruments and the soul sword and everything. It was just like my episode was like, I, it was almost like a masterclass in Shadowhunters trivia. So, though, yeah. it and was I was such a big episode. And that was my first episode. Yeah. So I had to really learn a lot. Oh my gosh. Uh, like how long did it take you to? To kind of get the gist of everything going into Shadowhunters. Well, the, the thing is, you really don't have a lot of time. Right. I mean, a basic prep for a TV show is about a week and a half. So for me, um, I got a little bit of a head start, but basically it took me about two weeks before I started shooting to, yeah. to really get up to speed on everything. So you were like, all right, let's go in. Let's, let's jump in. in. <laughs> exactly. Again, you know, it's, uh, it's so nice. The internet is a, is a great resource. Cases, you know? Yes. So. And so whenever you like go in and you, um, like meet with the actors, do you have a moment where you kind of sit down with everyone, get to know everyone? Or are you more like you step in and you're like, all right, let's just go for it. Well, TV is, is, is shot at a, at lightning speed, That's as you true. may know. Yeah. So there's rarely time for rehearsals before the actual day of shooting. The one thing they sometimes do, um, most of the time I would say is, uh, take a crew lunch, uh, either the day or two before we start shooting my episode and the cast gets together and does a read through of the script. Okay, so yeah. that's, a, that's the, usually the one and only time I'm actually able to see the actors before I'm telling them, you know, what my idea is for the, uh, for the blocking of the scene. Yeah. And, and, and so we rehearse very quickly, you know, we, we, you basically have to block and rehearse scenes in television in five minutes or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actors know that, uh, the good, good directors know that, and the crew knows, needs, needs that, needs it to be quick so that they can just get a jump on lighting and jump on, you know, where, you know, we can, we can set up the camera and, right. and what we're doing, you know, so that's why you have to be very efficient. Um, yeah. it'd be nice to, to have a, just, you know, if you're rehearsing a, a stage play, then it's all about, you know, just talking about subtext and yeah. objectives and the motivations of all the characters and, um, most of us just have to do that homework on our own time. And the actors do often just do that. They break down the scenes and yeah. they work with their acting coaches and they at least come to set very prepared. That's good. Um, the ones that don't, you know, I won't call them out by name, but the ones that don't really uh, slow everybody down. Yeah. And, and so, there has been people in your experience on shows that you've done where you're just like, they haven't quite done the research enough or they're not quite, their head's not in the game and you're just trying to pull something out of them that... They just are just not there for it. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. But 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 there's also something much more basic. And I'm going to say this to everybody who's listening to this right now who is an actor who wants to work in Hollywood. Learn your lines. Yes. Know them <laughs> on set. Definitely. And I, I hate to say that that's something that I have to say out loud, but it is something I have to say out loud. Because, yes, right. you, you can't even get into the mm-hmm. nuances and, and the, the uh, you know, sure, they may have made a, a, a wrong choice. But I can I can work with that. Yeah. I can work with something where they're like they made a wrong choice uh, for the scene, or in my opinion, a wrong choice or or choice that is different from you know what what needs to happen in terms of the story and the character. Um, that's that's uh, if the actor has craft, that's something we can we can deal with. But yeah. if you're just literally struggling to get through the scene because you don't know your lines, <sighs> then it's then it's just a painful process. And everyone knows that the editing room exists, uh, which is unfortunate in in some ways because a lot of them rely on the editing room where yeah. they know that they can just uh, you know splice it, splice it all together and make it look fine you no. know yeah um and a lot of actors get away with that but i also think that in 
they also get a reputation for that. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're aware of, of the type of, of person you want to be perceived as being in terms of professionalism, I think that's a, it's key to, to not be that person that relies on the editing room to, to make you look good. Definitely. Because you don't even know who's, you know, what the sensibilities are of the people in the editing right, room. Right, <laughs> right. And not only that, but I feel like if you're ever going to get hired again on something else, people could be like, yo, do not hire this person. Correct. They do not know their lines. Correct. They always rely on the editing team to edit everything together. Mm-hmm. So that, I love that you said that because this show, we are trying to educate people on what to do and what to, like, what are the steps taken to get where you need to get. Mm-hmm. And also, I think that's a very basic thing. Learn your lines, guys. It's not yeah, that hard. Yeah, it's not that know? hard. And be on time. Right. And be nice. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are, these are, these are very important things because same thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, uh, talented actors who are just not nice to the people uh, on the crew. And I'm not just talking about the ones who are, you know, nice to the producers, but then, you know, rude to the craft service uh, people. You right. know, it's like you, as a human being, it's best, you know, it doesn't matter who they are, whether they're the, you know, the studio heads or the people who are working their, their butts off to get you your, your you know, your mid-afternoon snack. It's important to, for, to be respectful of, right. of everyone on, on a set because everyone's doing a really, really hard job. Exactly. And long hours. And someone who I think does that very well, at least from what I've seen, is Kat. Because oh, she, she's amazing. Yeah. She, Kat like, McNamara. Yes. Yeah, from Shadowhunters. Yeah. Sure, she's phenomenal. She's amazing. And she like came in like the first time I ever met her. I don't know yeah. if I told you the story or not. No, but it was my birthday and we had the Shadowhunters after show for season one. She comes in. She just saw on Twitter that it was my birthday. She brings in a like a dozen cupcakes from this gourmet like place <laughs> with all different types. Yeah, and she just sits in front of me. She's like, "Happy birthday!" And like literally, I was obviously a fan of hers, but she didn't really right. know who I was. But she like did her research. She followed me on Twitter and like saw it was my birthday and brought the cupcakes. Like that. That is what I mean. Not saying that you have to go out and just buy things for people, but like just. Having sentiment, knowing that it's not a bad, it's not yeah, a bad strategy, though. Exactly, <laughs> but going into things where you're like, okay, I'm going to be nice to everyone because everyone is trying to, you know, not only be there for me and like make me look good, but I want to make sure that I'm appreciative of everyone absolutely. around me, building me up. So, absolutely, I think that's very, very, very important. Um, but a question that I also had was, whenever you're going into a show, obviously there's a lot of things that you have to do your research on. Mm-hmm. But whenever you go in, is there a moment where you can somewhat be like, do you have everything set in your mind of how you want everything to look, or are you pretty open-minded when you go in because you know that the actors are going to have ideas and, like, producers? Yeah, I mean, it is a collaborative medium, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, it's the idea is that the cinematographer knows more about um, lighting than I do. You know, it's like I can speak his or her language, but, it, you know, but I and, and I can, you know, set up shots. That's part of my job. But uh, if the cinematographer has a, a concept and, you know, thinks it might be better shot in this direction, so that direction, um, you know, you, you, you have to be open to that. And, and, and also, you know, down to people, the production assistants, somebody, if you're creating an environment where everybody feels that they can speak their mind, you know, and I'm not the type of person who just wants to do it my own way and, or the highway, yeah. you know, if, uh, you know I, I tend to, you know, have, I think, very good ideas and, and I, I tend to essentially stay stick to the plan yeah because in tv again as i said earlier it's so so it's shot so quickly that a lot of times if an actor has an idea i may think it's a terrific idea but it's like if they want to walk in a totally different part of the room that we don't have time to light <laughs> right that's unfortunately not a great right idea so like, I have maybe to, not i have to say i i have to unfortunately say no to those types of yeah. things but uh, but ideas that don't slow the production down 
that make the show better. Um, you know, again, whether they're the assistant director, the cinematographer, the production designer, the the uh, you know the production assistant, the you know, then anyone who walks on the set who who feels free to just sort of chime in. It's like there's no harm in in uh, having ideas and expressing them because if you let your ego get in the way, then the work suffers. That's so true. I feel like that is the downfall of, of some actors is they get this ego and, and they go in and even like even people who are directors and stuff, they get like this mm-hmm. idea where they think, okay, well, I'm in charge and I'm and then you lose the creative force because you're kind of so caught up in yourself that you forget that this is like a team effort. So I love that you were telling me it's like a team effort. It's a collaborative thing. Yeah. Because it's a show that everyone has their own ideas, but being able to kind of come together and everyone kind of know where you're going and moving forward and, and having the person as the director being able to call the shots, but also being able to have an open mind. I think that's, that's yeah, I mean, exactly that's, what needs to happen. Yeah, otherwise yeah. go, go, go write a novel. Right. You know? I mean, yeah. you know, go, go, go paint a painting, you know, right. go sit in a home studio and play all the instruments and multi-track and release your own songs. I mean, there's ways of doing, uh, art solo. Right. Uh, this isn't one of them. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's exactly. like, you gotta, you gotta work that out. I totally agree. So let's get ahead and get into this. I am obsessed with show Pretty Little Liars. Um, here's a photo of you and Tyler Blackburn who plays Caleb Rivers. What was that experience like working on that show? Because that is just one of the most iconic shows out there. For at least me, being a millennial, this is like one of my absolute favorite shows. It is. And, and I, I was such a fanboy of, of the series by the time I got to direct it. Um, and also that actually, that photo is also from, uh, from Ravenswood, the oh, spinoff, which so I also directed. Well. Yes. No way. Okay, so, that's awesome. So yeah, it was great to work with, uh, with Tyler on, on both of those shows, actually. Um, and... Uh, you know, and Marlene King and and Oliver Goldstick and Joe Darty, the three sort of masterminds behind the series. They're yeah. they're all brilliant, and uh, they, I mean, anyone who who hasn't seen Pretty Little Liars has a preconceived notion of what it what it is. Right. And I always have to tell people, don't go into it thinking you know what it is, because it's going to be so much better than you even think it's possible right you know and it, it's it's really compelling and and I, i'm a i was a fanboy of the show so by the again by the time i got into it i actually i actually had seen uh, most of the episodes prior to mine and uh and then meeting marlene and she's she's just a terrific uh, terrific showrunner i would love to meet her someday she just seems so yeah so amazing she's so she's very inspiring she's yeah. an inspiring person she's she inspires the people around her and she um, and I was actually almost going to direct a, a famous in love. Um, I wanted to do it, but it conflicted with uh, a magician's episode that mm. I was directing. So, unfortunately, um, well, you never know. They're, they're, but I'm, yes. I'm thinking there's going to be a season two. Yes, so. we hope again. Yes. I hope that so. season two. We want Shadowhunters. Season yes. three. We, yep. we now know there's a magician season three, which I'm oh, very happy about. That's so, awesome. So that's great. But that uh, yeah, exciting. hopefully we'll hear announcements of other good things soon. That's right. It's it's only a matter of time. Yeah. I feel like it's going to happen. Yeah. All the shows it's, are doing well, so successful. Well, you know, by May, yeah, upfronts and all that. Yeah. It should all get worked Definitely. out. Yeah. And uh, actually, a show that I would love to see you direct is one of my favorite shows on Freeform, Stitchers. I think that you. Would I would love to direct Stitchers. Yeah, it's, I think it's yeah, it's a great, uh, it's a great show. I've seen a couple. Yeah. yeah, and they're like already in season three mode. Finally, it took them like months and months and months and months, and like I think it was like seven or eight months after season two had already been aired that they mm-hmm. finally decided to do season three. So they were having some kind of a, I guess, problem or seeing how other shows panned out to see if they got picked up for a season three. But I was like, seriously, that was the longest wait ever. I was like, come on. But they're finally in production again. So I would love that. That's fantastic. That. Yeah, that, absolutely. that would be incredible. Absolutely. Um, do you, is there an after show for that one? Yes. Do you do, yeah. do, do, yeah. do, you do that one as well? Yeah. Oh, cool. I love that show. It's such a good, like the, the relationship 
between um, characters and and just I like how it's so techy type of a show mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it, it brings it interesting because a lot of things are you know just like murder mysteries or or like you know famous in love is about being famous but this is about how like these people like go into this lab and like stitch into memories of dead people it's very like off the wall and different but yeah, I love it it's, it's awesome. great yeah. yeah and a shout out to my friend John Newby who's the uh, cinematographer on oh, that show wow. yeah he and I worked together on a couple of projects so he's he's a great guy that's awesome yeah. So for Pretty Little Liars, like, how were you approached when when asked to direct an episode? Um, it's you know the the relationships, uh, networking, and relationships uh, are always a, a key element in in this situation. And um, I think I had met Marlene through uh, I think through social media. Interestingly enough, because she was a fan of a show that I had been directing called The Following. Mm. And also I had been directing many, many episodes of the Vampire Diaries, you know, yeah. which at the time, you know, a lot of the audiences were crossover audiences. So um, I think just it was Marlene who c- contacted my agent. There was an opening in season five and said, uh, you know, we want to invite Josh to Rosewood. So I'm like, uh, yeah, You're where's like, my ticket? Let's tic- do it. Where's my ticket? Where's my yeah. ticket to Rosewood? And at the time, that was also the time they were doing Ravenswood. So I also got okay, invited yeah. to New Orleans, uh, which is where we shot oh, that that's show. that's where they filmed that? Yeah. Wow, they didn't film that on the Warner Brothers lot. They did not. No, wow. no. Uh, they got really good tax incentives in, in, in New Orleans, which which <laughs> okay. was interesting because, you know, they Marlene and, and, and Oliver, um, Oliver Goldstick, who wrote my episode of Ravenswood, like they were they were really just dividing their time between uh, L.A. and New Orleans wow. for, for a few months. So that was uh, that was interesting for them. But, yeah. Oh, you know, world, as, as you well know, world of tax incentives. That's there, right. There's so many. I mean, I, you know, I rarely shoot shows in L.A. anymore. Yeah. You know, there's very there's very little. TV, at least the TV that I direct that, that gets shot here. So, so you have to just like, you, you, here's your home base and then you get to go out. Yeah, to you get cool the job places. here and then they send you out of town for a month to, to do the job. That's so, so fun you know, though. I but mean, it's fun, like, yeah. I mean, obviously you're working the entire time, but it's kind of like a nice little change of scenery every time you get to go to different places. It is, it is. And I, I've fallen in love with certain cities like Vancouver yeah. where I've worked a lot and Toronto and uh, Atlanta and uh, New York, actually, uh, that's that's a blast that's um, awesome. because their tax incentives are quite good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did a show in Charleston, South Carolina, which was really beautiful. It's a great town, um, and uh, Chicago was fun, wow. cold, cold so you've but been fun. Quite a bit of different places. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. and again, I think lo- I can count on less than one hand uh, the shows that I've directed in in LA. So wow, yeah. So, so I guess would Pretty Little Liars be like the only one that you've shot in LA? One of the th- one of the few. three. The other one, oh, okay. I also shot Twist four. I guess Twisted, I oh, shot in LA. Okay, yes. Which was another uh, ABC Family, or mm-hmm. you know, the artist formerly known as ABC Family yeah. show. Um, and uh, yeah, I did um, a show here called Ringer, which mm-hmm. was on the CW oh, okay. for about five seconds um, <laughs> with Sarah Michelle Geller. Uh, oh yeah, playing okay. identical twins. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, and then the other show I did here was called State of Affairs, um, oh, okay. which was on briefly on NBC with uh, Catherine, Catherine Heigl yeah, and yeah. Uh, Alfred Woodard, and uh, that was a l- terrific show. I would have loved to do more of those, but um, but that ended after thirteen. So isn't it crazy how like some shows you know could make it so far, and like for some reason it just doesn't quite get the numbers. Like it, it doesn't make yeah. sense because I feel like that show um, with Catherine. Like, I feel like that could have really went on and been a great show. Well, I think creatively it was on point. Yeah, Joe Carnahan, who created him, is behind it, is brilliant. He's a brilliant director, a creator, a, you know, a filmmaker in general. Um, and they really had their, their, their act together. Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, as the years have progressed because of the 
television viewing numbers plummeting mm-hmm. because everybody's, you know, either watching it in different forms, streaming it or mm-hmm. not watching it live. You know, the advertising budgets, uh, you know, the, the, the advertisers aren't aren't paying for the shows the way they, they used to. Right. You know? So um, the the pressure on shows like like State of Affairs or, or another show I did, Limitless, um, you know, the pressure from. NBC and CBS, uh, in terms of numbers, is much higher. Yeah, you know, whereas where shows like on the CW or on cable, uh, they 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 can get lower numbers and still do very well because they hit a very specific demographic. You know, yeah, you know, you millennials, you know, right? You buy, and you buy stuff, <laughs> keep buying stuff because that's you know that's the key. That's right. That <laughs> you know, because right. because if you're buying the products that are being sold on those shows, the the better you know it's it's you know exactly. Kind of, Easy formula, but yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I do love how Freeform has been like releasing seasons at a time on the app or, or making it easy to ex- easily accessible because they're kind of conforming to, okay, people are watching more online now, so if we're wanting numbers, let's kind of cater to those people as well. And I do feel like it is a whole millennial thing because most people like to watch it on TV, but a lot of people are like, okay, now we want to just watch it on our screens wherever we go and, and have it right at your fingertips at all times. So I love how they're kind of like being like, all right, so we have to cater to these people now. And Well, I just, and now that I think Gen Z, which I guess is the new... Um, oh, that's the new one? The new one. Uh, but they're, they're not even going to have any nostalgia for the no. idea of waiting a one week to another week to watch a, watch a TV show. That's so true. I think, I think that's going uh, the way of vinyl records and CDs. And yeah. It's, just, it's like one of those, it's sort of this 20th century concept that didn't quite make it. Yeah. You know? That's going to be so interesting to see how that plays out like for Generation Z. Because we already like talk about millennials, millennials, but after a while, we're going to be kind of done and like the new generation. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, and, and they grew up, they never knew a world without the internet. They never knew a world without, you know, the uh, the, the, the joy of binge watching. Right. So, you know, exactly. it's like, you know, they, they, they have no idea, you know, how to uh, listen they, they don't. They won't even have. Not to go crazy on this, but they won't even have the concept of music ownership uh, that that makes any sense to them. The idea that we used to even download, like, buy MP3s. I know. You know it's like that crazy you know it's like you just get your subscription service and you're i know exactly everything's like subscription based now um okay i do want to talk about vampire diaries because um my friend sam davidson who yes obviously many times here at afterbus studios has said that you are known for your like steamy scenes like (laughs) she's like he's known for these like steamy scenes like whenever like a halo halo kiss for pretty little liars vampire diaries that you're known for these kind of scenes so like um what is it like directing nina because she is just such a great actress. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. She's, 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 um, you know, and she got her, um, like she got her break on, on Vampire Diaries. She was 19 years old, you know, wow. so she really like grew, grew up on the show. But even yeah. when I, but when I directed her in the first season and I mean, I've directed, uh, 11 episodes. So from the very first one to the very last one, uh, the, the common denominator was she somehow always got it mm-hmm. you know i mean she was on degrassi before that i mean as a teenager i think that's where she she learned the basic sort of set yeah you know set life set principles but you know you just meet those people who just she she just instinctively knew how to act and and she knew she was comfortable in front of the camera she knew about you know ways of of making uh the the medium of of, of film tv mm-hmm. you know work in her favor and she was also very brilliant, I think, in terms of um, her social media and her 
self-marketing and uh yeah Definitely. i just think she just sort of had the whole whole thing just whole figured package. out yeah you know yeah it's so you exactly, know but... so it was very very it was great directing her she's, Definitely. she's she's a very professional individual yes and here's a photo oh my gosh this is a great photo this was like very professionally shot like this photo. well this was because this was actually on set i, I love the lighting on this because yeah. yeah david harrington the uh cinematographer of Shadowhunters. i mean he had lit the set and then we just took a photo in the light that's a great <laughs> his light so it's uh, i I just love Alberto. I think, like, directing him must be so much fun just because he's so funny. And, like, being able to kind of direct someone into saying lines certain ways or just, like, mm-hmm. being in those scenes with him. He's, like, so such like, a nervous talker in the show, Simon is. And, and just, like, he blurts things out. And, and just watching <laughs> his transition from becoming, like, this nerdy kind of band kid to, mm-hmm. like, this vampire and trying to stand up for himself and be like become more masculine or whatever just watching his journey has been hilarious and oh, i think he's, he's, he's an incredible actor he's incredible yeah. <laughs> yeah another one who just gets it you know yeah and uh in terms of alberto i just you know it's my <laughs> uh not not to spoiler alert the the season mid-season finale the winter finale that i directed yes. you know he was basically and you know covered in blood the entire time yeah so uh you know he but but a very good sport uh yeah. you know but uh yeah he's he's, he's great yeah. that's amazing and then here's a photo with you and dom yes um, dom it's okay so whenever he, he's on set does he speak like with his american accent oh that's an interesting story so i honestly when i met dom you know, because I met him at the read through and then I met him and I was directing him and he's, you know, absolute sweetheart, great guy. Yeah. Um, he was, a, you know, this British accent. Mm-hmm. Not, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I just blew the story. No, American accent. He had an American accent during the read through and an American accent on set, not just when the camera was rolling, but like would walk around, yeah. you know, talking like Jace the entire time. Um, and then the weekend. The first weekend after the first week of shooting, um, everybody was getting together. Um, it was a, just a party, some some sort of somebody's birthday party. I forget who it was, but we were there, and uh, it kind of shocked me when I met when I saw Dom that night, and and he was in that thick. He had his thick British accent. Yeah. So um, a he's amazing at turning off that accent. Yeah. B it's like what's interesting to me is that he keeps it all day on set as American, yeah. and then on the weekend. It's, uh, you know, it's totally, totally gone. So that's crazy. I, yeah, cause I think whenever he came in for our after show, he was very thick British accent mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. was telling us how on set he does walk around and speak in American accent just so he doesn't find himself slipping into it during the taping. Yeah, it's smart. Know? And it's, it's very smart. smart. Yeah, no, and, and he was so seamless that he fooled even me. Yeah. I mean, had I just Googled it, I would have seen that. But I was thinking of other things, you right. know, like, you thinking, like, okay, like, what is a parabatai? Yeah, a <laughs> Yeah, I know. And I was like, oh, yeah. So, so that there was a bit of a moment there for me. That is I, so funny. When I just yeah. realized, oh, he's British. Yeah. So uh, something that I wanted to tell you, and Sam actually, I was with her yesterday and she was saying this would be something great to ask him. Sure. Is the fact that you do have to, like with a lot of the shows you're doing, you're catering to millennials. So what is that process like? Are, is there sometimes where you're thinking, okay, like, how am I going to portray this for this younger generation to get it? And then also having to constantly kind of evolve with your projects, knowing that you have to kind of keep up with the craziness of millennials. I just think it's about being, um, being informed. You know, you have to be uh, aware of what's going on in the pop culture. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's, that's, and I, thanks to shows like, you know, popcorn talk and (laughs) after buzz. And, uh, you know, I've been on a show called pop trigger a few times. There's like a lot of really interesting shows that, that are, are out there that are very much, um, commenting on, on pop culture and, and allowing 
um, you know, for me, it's just trying to sort of keep keep aware of the rapidly tra- changing trends, you know, in in not just in you know politics and and what's going on on the world stage, but also in terms of entertainment and in terms of you know basically how millennials are reacting and and how they're talking to each other and what they're talking about and you know so it's definitely i mean i mean i feel like i would say i'm in touch with my inner teenager you know because i just definitely loved that period of life and i i I love the fact that a lot of these shows um tap into that kind of um epic emotion that you feel at that age you know these sort of heightened heightened yeah everything everything is heightened heightened. yes exactly (laughs) so you know once you get that i think that's the basic principle then i think that you know creating entertainment you know understanding that that you have to basically make it as 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 memorable and as 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 epic as possible you know because otherwise you know this is a very noisy environment there's so much content out there you really have to have something that not only stands out but also finds its way into the pop culture you want people to be making you know gif files and the you know sharing sharing scenes and you want you want people to sort of you know quote your main characters and and find you know and ship them you want you know as many ships as possible right. that come out of your show the more ships you have yeah. the more yeah, i mean yeah. i think that's one of the funniest things that's come out of like millennial culture is the idea that now now writers who are who are creating tv shows have to be very aware of how they name their characters because yeah. the people who are going to be the love interests or the potential love interests uh, you need to make sure that it isn't a, a really awful shipper name. Right. You're going to so. have to have a name, good names that merge, you know. <laughs> that merge. Exactly. Yeah. So that's yet another part of the writing process yeah. that millennials have kind of <laughs> I have kind of never introduced. even thought of that, but that is so true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for people who are maybe watching from back home who are not, they don't have the same resources that we have out here in L.A. or mm. maybe they're just off like me. Like like three years ago, I was in Missouri, in the middle of Missouri. I was trying to do everything I could to do in little films and little commercials and stuff. But sure. let's say someone wants to be a director and they are living in Missouri or like somewhere far away like that. How? What are like some steps that they can start taking to kind of move forward to that direction to maybe someday become a director? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, as I said earlier on, number one, make content, make mm-hmm. stuff. make, uh, And when you make stuff... Um, Start with short films if you feel the need to sort of, you know, get your get your feet wet. Um, but if there's any way you can put together resources to make a film, a f- full-length feature film, that's still, I think, the best uh, introduction into the industry. And I think that uh, with all the equipment that's available, you know, in in Missouri or Kansas or Pennsylvania or, or you know, um, the Czech Republic, you know, wherever you are, there's always ways at this point to create uh a, a film and mm-hmm. and uh, make make it uh with people that you trust you know treat it as a collaborative art form which it is find the people around you that are better at their jobs uh than you would be if you did those jobs you know find the better cinematographer find a right. better editor find a better you know, composer get get these people together you know find a project and 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 make sure that the material you have is very very strong you know and that's that's going to be the thing that that makes you stand out so there's no reason you can't make stuff i mean yeah. and if, and if features aren't your thing well you know you can make uh, spec commercials or spec music videos or spec um i you know i i highly always advise against web series because there really is no 
market for them. Mm-hmm. You know, the good news about a feature film is that you can still potentially sell it. Right. You know, and uh, you know, and I, I always tell people don't make spec TV series because that's not how they're sold. You know, make a film and let Hollywood have the idea to turn it into a TV right. series. Yeah. You know, that's that seems to be the way they do it. And then and then I think at some point you gotta make the move. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean there are a lot of great regional filmmakers, um, but um, they're very, very much regional, you know, right. and, and, and if that's what you want to do, if you want to like, you know, if you can pay your bills, uh, whether you're independently wealthy or you have the, the ways and means, uh, or you have a really good day job and yeah. you're able to do, to make film on as a hobby, then, then that's great. But if your ultimate desire is to make a living at it, then I really don't know how you would do it in places like Missouri. I feel like you would have to be in LA right. at the very least New York, yeah. you know, because that's where the jobs are originating. Right. And, and like, I know with Missouri, they've, they've had like some, some people kind of go to them now ever since Winter's Bone. You remember yes, that Yes, Winter's movie? Bone. Yes, absolutely. Jennifer Lawrence, that was like one of her big breaks. And that was a big deal for like, I was actually supposed to be freaking on that set, like, just in the background a little bit, but I was so mad I was like in a show and I couldn't make it to that day and I was like, I could have like maybe had my face shown on screen for a little bit. Oh, that's all but right. um no, but I think it was really cool because a lot of people um got the chance to work on that set back in Missouri and then whenever that thing kinda blew up, a few of them kinda got to move here. So I think it is really cool, guys. You can start off where you are, make some content, and you never know what's gonna happen with that content, and that might be your ticket there to, Absolutely. to come out here. Absolutely, and yeah. even if it doesn't break you through uh just do another one keep doing it you know it's like it's not that this is the this is the best time in history to be making um film content because it has never been uh less expensive to find equipment that makes what you're shooting look professional right you know i mean films have been shot on iphones recently that played at you know major film festivals yeah. and got major distribution wow. so you know it's like there's really no reason there's no excuse to yeah. not be making content because you can't be that person that, that walks around talking how brilliant you are because um, hollywood having... doesn't care <laughs> exactly they just want to see results right you know and building up your resume is important and having those projects that you're able to work on that's going to help build up your content build up your resume that way whenever you do make the move mm-hmm. you can have stuff under your belt to be like here this is what i've done yes and i love that um I, something that i've wanted to ask is obviously for actors we have like um managers or agents who submit us through actors access is there any type of thing like that for directors or is it mostly just by like talking to people and who you know, but do they have like a set thing where do you have like an agent or manager who reaches out to people to say, Hey, well, there's, there's less and less of that. There used to be what they called open directing assignments mm-hmm. and they would interview directors for a project, but that has pretty much gone by the wayside. So, um, it, it, it you know, it's, again, it comes down to networking. It comes down to who, you know, but I mean, for me, my, the, the way I get jobs, the way I seek out jobs, it's, it's, it's all through relationships. It's all through word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then agents are also, you know, relying on relationships they have with studio executives and network executives and people who then call other people who have worked with me before and right. can vouch for me. So it's this, it's just, it's really a kind of, that's the system. Um, as for actors, you know, the other thing I always say is sometimes if you want to build up your reel and your resume as an actor, 
you can't do this as a director, obviously, but but you could move to Atlanta. You could mm-hmm. move to uh, if you're if you're Canadian, if you if, in any way, shape, or form, then you should be in Vancouver or Toronto because there's so much local casting that goes on for yeah. all these national TV shows. So you can really get some great credits by living in one of the tax incentive uh, yeah. markets. I know. I'm like, what am I doing here in L.A., guys? I gotta go. I gotta, you know, because yeah. I've had friends who've done that who've who've actually been in L.A. and and like flown. For auditions and stuff, and they get something big, and then that's their ticket in mm-hmm. because they they went to those smaller cities that that uh, hire. Um, yeah, it's a smaller pond. Yeah, it's a smaller pond, and and the thing is, like for a show like The Vampire Diaries, that went eight seasons. You know, think about it. In each episode, if they had four or five um, guest cast, all of whom they wanted to, for the most part, cast out of Atlanta for budgetary reasons. You know that that burned. They burn through hundreds of actors that way, and I, I say burn through as in if you put an actor in a show as a character, um, technically you're not supposed to ever use that actor again in your series. Yeah, you know because people are like, hey, wasn't that the guy from season two who yeah. was the thing? You know, and that's happened a few times in shows that I've loved, and I'm like, wait a minute, and I like. I find it, I screenshot it, like circle <laughs> yes, their exactly. face, and they're like, "Oh no, we just used them because they were here locally," you know. And I'm like, "Wait, no, that would have been great for the story because this guy's in the background and he was in season one, being like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah." And it's, I feel like that is so well. Funny. Good on you for noticing. Thank yeah. you. I, I do that. I like. I'm so into shows. And I like screenshot yeah. and like circle them and like it's crazy. That's awesome. Um, but um, wrapping it up here a little bit, um, let's talk about your future. Um, what are some? What is like a goal that you have. I know you were saying you'd love to work in movies as well. Yes. Is yes. that like one of the main goals that is unaccomplished so far that you'd want to like move on to like a big studio movie or what, what is your main goal? My main goal is to, um, I'm writing a film right now that, um, I've got some independent money behind mm-hmm. and my goal is to finish writing that and direct that movie this year. Wow. You know, and it's, it's very much in the vein of it's a, it's a romance. It's got some science fiction elements to it, but it's a, it's a, it's, it's a story about, uh, you know, basically about millennials. So it's, it's definitely a, a, something that, that comes out of the TV work that I've done, but is very much, um, an independent film in spirit. So, awesome. so yeah. And the, the, the goal is to, you know, I love TV and I want to keep playing in, in the world of television, but for me, uh, I just, I need to, I need to express myself through, through cinema, you know, that's at this so point cool. in my life. Cause that's just, it's been the, been the, uh, the, as I said, the childhood dream. So I'm I'm working on that. That is so exciting. Well, I'm excited to see that for sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes. Who, like, who's like a dream actor that you'd love to to have in a movie of yours? Oh my goodness. Well, you know, people like uh, you know people blow me out of the water like like a Shailene Woodley. You yes. know, someone like Shailene Woodley. I just I went I, when I saw Fault in Our Stars, which I absolutely loved. I, I, you know, I was I was just like. Okay, that's that's <laughs> just you know brilliant. I know, and and you just see somebody like that, and it's like, yeah, I'd be I'd be very curious to to work with her and see yeah. you know see what she's capable of because I think she's probably capable of, of of amazing things. She definitely is, and it's so funny. I actually, um, I so many people have like can't at least three or four, not a lot, but there's been people who've come up to me being like, wait, you look like you could be Shailene Woodley's brother. Oh, and I'm like, wait, I don't see it, but like, and then they'll like, they'll like look up a photo of her on their phone and like oh, now show that you me. Say that, I, I think that's not a bad casting choice I was at like, all. Let's that's, do that's, it. That's not. <laughs> that's really not a bad casting. That would choice. be so. Cool. I would buy that you had the same biological parents. That would be Absolutely. so cool. Yeah, I, like someone told me that before. Yes. I'm like, all right, we'll get her on the phone. Let's yeah, work well, somebody it out. hired Dakota <laughs> as Shailene's brother. That. That's yes. right. And um, like, okay, so I know you want to work in movies, but. 
for a TV show, let's say that there's like, what is one show that's going on right now that you would just love to direct an episode of? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, uh, goodness. Um, I would love to do, well, this is us. I love has any, have you okay, seen yeah. this is us? That's uh-huh. a fantastic show. Um, and I, cause from the emotional side of things and, you know, and from the, the sci-fi geek in me, you know, I, I love, you know, I'd, I'd be, I'd enjoy doing like the expanse, mm-hmm. you know, it's another show on sci-fi channel that I really like. Um, I enjoy, you know, of course we all dream big and would, I'd love, you know, game of Thrones, of course would have, would be, or a show like that would be awesome because yeah. you have so much money and time to really do epic cinema in, in, in a TV form. Um, so there's that, but, uh, and there's out at, I think Outlander is uh, okay, yeah. still going. I, I think. I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. Shows like that are, are fun. And uh, or would you ever do something like The Walking Dead or something just absolutely like yeah just crazy? Yeah, <laughs> I w- yeah. I mean, The Walking Dead is you know there's a very it's a very uh, closed system right now in terms of the you know they have their, they have their core group of, yeah. of of directors. So it's it, it's a hard kind of group to get into at this point. But but it's uh, but yeah, it's a very very cool type of show. And yeah. and yeah, but I, I'd like to be involved. If it was a show like that, I'd I'd want to be involved, you know, early on and just be, yeah, you know, be part of of, of creating the world because that's the thing I enjoy the most in in terms of as uh, being a director is you know creating you know, you know being being part of that 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 vision of 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 what something should look like you know right. and now The Walking Dead is so well established it would just be more like playing in the playground right you know which exactly. which which I do which I would which love would be so it, much be fun, fun but yeah. I, I think it is cool because whenever like with TV shows they. They switch out directors, which is interesting, which I've just recently, within the past two years, kind of figured that out. Because I just yeah. think, oh, they probably have one director from start to end. But the thing with movies is you are able to be there and create exactly. from start to finish. Exactly. So I could see why that would be a big dream of yours, because you are hands-on the entire process from start to finish. Right. And that would be very exciting. And what it also does, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about filmmakers who are in Missouri or Kansas or even in LA or whatever, aspiring filmmakers. The key is, is that that is the best showcase for your individual uh, view of the world Mm -hmm. and your take on filmmaking. And, and, you know, the, I, I, I hate how people use this term, but they, they use the term unique voice, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it's even worse when they, they use the term voicey. <laughs> um, but what they're meaning is that if something's voicey, uh, then the filmmaker who made the content has something that's, that's worth, worth looking at, you yeah. know, it's worth evaluating them as an artist and, 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 you know, funding projects for them to, to be able to express themselves in that way. So I think that's, it's very important I think to to make sure that you have unique content that that you created. Yeah. Cuz again, that's the best leverage you have in this town. Definitely. Guys, that is a great note to end on. Literally learn your lines and have like, be nice. Create, <laughs> be nice, learn your lines, make unique content. Unique content. And just go out there and it's one of those things you just have to just throw yourself out there and whether it be wherever you are in the world, just taking those first initial steps to build up your resume or just build up your experience, just explore yes. Your creativity, it's just so important. So you guys, make sure you do that. Again, where can everyone find you on social media? Oh, yes. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, The Joshua Butler. 
Um, if somebody can explain why I need Snapchat, I, I might do that too. But oh my I'm, gosh, I, you should. I'm a little confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you millennials yeah. and your Snapchat. No, it took I, me a while <laughs> to join Snapchat. But. Yeah, but every other social media, you can find me. Yeah, awesome. Well, you guys can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Mr. Dakota T. Jones. If you're listening to us on iTunes, make sure to give us a five star rating. If you're watching on um, YouTube, make sure to give us a big thumbs up. We love you guys so much. Thank you for uh, for tuning in. We will talk to you next week for Season 1, Episode 6 of Millennial Hollywood. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.